Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Amen. Woo, you might all turn me down. Get a little fired up in here. Where'd my Bible go? We got to have that. We got to have a little bit of this. Everybody look over somebody and just tell them how good they look. Yeah, we're going to make all the introverts a little uncomfortable. Y'all look good. Everybody looking good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I wasn't looking for no little accolades, but I appreciate them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to be in the book of we're going to be in the book of Jude today. Book of Jude's a pretty easy book to find. It's 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 one chapter long. It's going to be about one page in your Bible. What? That's what I'm talking about. God said a lot with just a little bit. But if you go to the book of Revelations, then go backwards, you'll see the book of Jude. So it's kind of like Revelation is the very last book in the Bible. So understanding that you find Revelation, then just keep on going back or you'll find Jude. A lot of small books of the Bible right there in the very end. I think that God was like, okay, I've been saying it for a while now. I'm just going to shorten these books up just a little bit. But um, Jude, so we'll be in the book of Jude. So you can turn there as we kind of just kind of walk into it. Who's been excited about hearing... Um, the, the series on focus, you know, Garrett just did such a great job of sitting it, setting it up, and then next, you know, last week it was so much fun to watch. It was so we were focusing upward, and then then God focusing inward so that we'd see inward transformation. Amen. And um, today we're talking about outward focus. So let's think about a few things that um, that we can focus. Somebody give me something that you like to do when you go out into the community what are you what, what some of the some what are some of the watching things that you might do what just give me something blank watching what do you do watching come on man you stole my hammer with the very first one why do we all love to watch people baby hold these keys i'm gonna get crazy today i'm gonna tell you what you just now went straight to the end of the land what happened to bird watching Hey, got two or three. <laughs> Barbara and I were walking at Lansford Canal. So we were down at Lansford Canal, and I'm walking up the trail, and there's this man, and I've been walking to him for about two or three minutes. And I promise you, this cat was doing this. And I said, I said, Barbara, you think he's okay? So being me, I got to see what's going on. Because I'm wondering what he's looking at, right? So I walk up there, and he's doing this, and I'm just standing beside him. You know, guess what I started doing? I didn't have no binoculars. And I'm looking at this. And we're looking up here, and he's doing this, and I'm doing this.
We stood there, and I'm like, Barbara, did you ever see that bird? She said, no. <laughs> bird watching's one of them. What, Barbara and I love to do, what do y'all know us? What do we like to watch a lot of? Movie watching. We're movie watchers. Give me some. Y'all play along. What's fixing to happen here come this Saturday night at some, some time? College football watching. But then we get down to the ultimate game. If you're really good, you go to Walmart and you don't even buy anything. Because you know you're going to get a sighting. Somebody going to be up in the Walmart in their slippers with their pajamas on. And their head's still going to be in the curls. And if they do have makeup on, it's rough. But that's the best kind of watching there is, isn't it? It's like, <gasps> but you got to have an art to people watching, especially if you're afraid of getting beat up. You got to figure out a way to watch them and them not knowing you're watching. So it's kind of like, Barbara's like, when I tell you, look to the left. <laughs> and it's. <laughs> Don't flinch, you idiot. That's what Barbara would say. They're going to get on to us. Then I was like, whoa, 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 Barbara. Barbara, look coming up the aisle. Mm, isn't it fun? God, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing all my sins. We love to watch people. People are fun to watch. We are some weird people. And I'm telling you one thing. We don't care what people think about us. You know, one of our sons, Lamont, y'all don't ever get to meet Lamont, Lamont Bryant. He's six foot four, 320 pounds. And we'd be going down the road, and here's me and Barbara, Charlie, and Christian, and Lamont. And for some reason, Lamont always got in the back seat. So you'd have one corner of the car, just, he, he blew out a bearing going to Florida one year. We had to put new bearings in the wheels when we got down there. Don't ever put the big man over the tire. I'm just letting you know. But Lamont, every time a red light would go, Lamont, and Lamont's so peaceful and loving, he's not mean at all, but he's big. But, but when you stop at a red light, Lamont will go. And everybody, like, Lamont, who are you looking at? I'm just staring at these people. Lamont, they see you staring at them. I'm sorry. And he never would stop looking at them. Lamont was so big, he didn't have to do it secretly. He would people watch you while you watched him back. And what are they going to say to him? But we have people watching. But, hey, church, you know, jokingly, as a church, do you think that we have some eyes on us in this world? There's been no time in my little old short life of 51 years that we probably haven't been being watched more than we are right now. That is the new number one fad happening in the United States and around the world that people are church watching. Think about it. Afghanistan. Can I preach a second? I might only have this note. Y'all might get hungry today. I'm sitting there, and, and there, there's, a, there's a couple in our, in our outreach center, and they're talking about all the, the, the people in, in Afghanistan that are being martyred. And, and, and it's Romania, right, Garrett? That's right, Troy. And, and, and she's sitting there talking to, to, to Troy and all of us about the people that are being martyred. And you know what Troy said? I got a group of friends. And they're working desperately to get into the country. What? 
You mean there's millions and thousands of people trying to get out of Afghanistan, and there's 200 over here trying to figure out how to get in. And they're Christians. There's people watching. The way men and women and children that confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the world is watching to see if they react according to the way the Word said that we would that is filled with the Holy Spirit. People watching. CNN, Fox News, CBS, NBC. People watching. People are watching to see how the persecuted church will react to the persecution. How will we respond? I thought that my credit card hit the floor there. I was about to get all anxiety filled. But what does that mean? See, we focused upwardly. As we focus, God transforming us inwardly so that we can be outwardly focused. But that's not the only focus that we have to understand. And I'm taking a turn on it today. It's not exactly on how we love people in this outward focus. Yes, of course, what does God's word say? That he says you're to love me and to love others. You're to love me and you're to love others. As that we have an inward transformation that's going to bring an outward love of God to be able to transform the city where you live. That's what God's word does But I want to take a spin on it today to say the outward focus is what people see and what are they seeing. Hmm. So, by the way we live outwardly, we're not only to love the people, but we're to defend the faith. That doesn't mean that we have to get up with knives and sticks and guns and defend the faith it doesn't mean that that we got to fight for our right to bear arms which I think is very important but God don't need my M16 I love guns I love shooting I grew up with them but God says I don't need that but what I do need for you to do Paul is to surrender 100% of yourself to love and serve the people that are around you yes even the ones that you might have to draw guns on And that's a different look. So let's go and we'll start off in the book of Jude. And um, and we'll just kind of start there. And and I'm just for, um, I have my Bible up here, my paper Bible. But I've also got scriptures written down in my phone. So if you see me looking back and forth, I just want to kind of, because if I read the entire chapter of Jude as we were working on this, um, we felt like it would be better to bring you pieces of it. But I'm just going to give you the, the introduction. This letter is from Jude. He's a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And this isn't the James that's brothers to Jesus. This is a different James, okay? Just to give you some little bit of insight, Jesus had a half-brother named James, but this is not him. It says, I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. And that's where we'll kind of start. And let's ask God right now. Corporately, will y'all join me together and let God have his way today? Father God, Lord, we come to you now. We ask that this word pierce our hearts, transform us from the inside out, to let us be more like you and less like this world. God, use your word to grow us today. We love you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Everybody that agrees says amen. So we'll start with verses 3 through 6. So Jude 1 is only one chapter, 3 through 6. It says, Dear friends... 
I had been eagerly planning to write you, write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago. For they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So I wanted to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you that the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority of God gave them but, and left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. So let me go ahead and just lay this down because I'm about... If you like me and you read that and you're like, oh boy, I'm in trouble today. This is God's word to make sure he's working to keep his church pure. That the spirit is moving. So basically what you hear being said right here is that the, the Israelites, when Moses let, took them out of Egypt, that they would at one moment be loving God and the next moment be rebelling against God. One moment being able to follow God and all of his mandates, the next moment being able to try to follow their own. So what God ended up doing, and we even went through it, right, that they ended up, many of them, dying and not understanding the promised land. So many people ended up losing their lives because they could not follow and follow through and stay focused. Everybody say focused. Everybody couldn't stay focused on what God had for his people of Israel. And then it even gets bigger than that, that if you understand the history of the scriptures, that there are many angelic forces that were in heaven that ended up deciding that they thought that Satan would be a better ruler than God. You know, I sometimes wonder about what these angels were thinking when they're like, I'll pick him. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's got to define stupid. Because the very next blink of an eye, they all got cast out of heaven. And these angels got chained up, and they're chained there today. Whew. Don't mess with God. He's so big. <laughs> but that's what it's talking about there. It says that, the angelic authority thought they, they were so powerful and good and they went against God and God put them out of heaven. Let's go down to Jude 1, 10 through 11. And it says, but these people scoff at things they do not understand. It's talking about the people that kind of come into the church that want their cake and eat it too. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction what sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. Y'all know Cain. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. And Korah is the man that went against Moses in trying to trip him up in what God had him doing. So these, again, are all examples of people who thought they knew better than God, who were there to try to trip up the movement of God. Jude 1, 14 through 15. And it goes back to seven generations after Adam. So you know Adam and Eve. It says, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, 
prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And that hasn't happened yet. But it will. Thousands and thousands and thousands of God's army will come down to bring judgment upon the people of this earth. And that can mess with your head. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why Jesus loves us so much that he chooses not to let us stay the way we were before we met Jesus. And that's what this word is talking about. People that say they belong to the church have wormed their way in, but they want to say that they have this salvation, that they have this freedom, but they can continue to live like the idolaters, the adulterers, the fornificators, everything that is against God that he called out in his original law, that they wouldn't be respectful to parents, that they would lie, they would be swindlers. And God said, you can't continue to be that because that is the old man. He is dead and I made you into a new creation through Jesus Christ. So we are called to remain faithful. And listen, go ahead and rebuke the enemy. Everybody say, I rebuke you, Satan. Don't let him in your head right now. You are worthy because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and nothing that you've ever done made you worthy. So don't let self-righteousness come into your mind right now, but also don't let shame come into your mind right now. I don't care where you've been in the past. Today's the day that you can draw a line to go to the future because God made that line. And he can create that line every day of our lives because he loves us and he's patient with us. But we are called to remain faithful. Let's look at Jude 1, 17 through 23. And I love this. I love this because now it's an encouraging word to the church on what we must do and how we must love. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be sacrifice. Excuse me, there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. So everything that we're seeing was prophesied. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Can you get an amen on that? Wow. But you, dear friends, see, he's taking it. But you, church, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. Ain't nothing about being in the arms of God. Didn't Jesus make a way for us to be able to just in all of our mess ups that we could just cry and fall into the arms of Jesus and then and there we will be safe. But Paul, you don't know all the screwed up stuff I've done. I don't need to know it. But I tell you what, God knows it. And he sent his son Jesus Christ for all of your screw-ups, all of my screw-ups. 
so that we can fall into the arms of God through Jesus Christ. He intercedes for us in our shortcomings. And you must show mercy to those. Oh, Lordy, it's just now going from us to somebody else. Listen now, it's an it's a outward focus. Here we go. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. God showed us mercy, so we must show mercy to the others, to these. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Hear me, church. you got to perk up right now on that word because that was put in there on purpose. When you are showing mercy to the ones who, are, who have done giving themselves over to a probate mind, who are living to, to be able to satisfy their own flesh and everything else, that God said in his word that you better use caution. Because you're playing around in the enemy's camp. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Not just caution, but great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Church, can I just be real with you for a second and go off script? I love this church. I brag and talk about what God's doing in this church all the time. I was in Columbia this week, and, man, we was hooping and hollering. I was sitting with five other inner-city church planters, and we were dreaming together, and we were talking about what God was doing together. But I'm telling you why I love this church, because it is made up of broken people that has been put back together with the blood of Jesus Christ. And God is making his masterpiece, and he chose, if you're sitting in here today, that means that you're a piece of that masterpiece. And what I am crying out to you today is, will you surrender so that you shall fit in the work of God today? Because if you're not surrendering as much as God wants you to put you in that masterpiece, he can't. Because you have a will. Only through your surrender can the masterpiece that he's creating at the Dream Center Church continue to come into clear focus. And it's through our surrender that he uses us to love others. But we have a world that is focused and watching us on how we carry out our lives and how we love our wives or our husbands and how we handle our money and how we be able to have communications with one another and how we lift each other up when we're feeling down. Everything that the scripture talks about that, that I am so honored that I get to be a part of what God is doing here. So here's five things that we can hit really quickly that the scripture talks about. You understand in the end of that scripture, it talks about a little bit about how we're to do what? Build each other up. Not just to build each other up, because if I build you up in teaching you how to make money, I haven't built you up in God's way, but I've built you up in the world's way. Do you get what I'm saying? If I teach you how to drive a car and to become very, um, or you teach me how to do something that you know how to do. If I teach you how to play the game of golf or if I teach you how to, to do whatever, you put fill in the blank. But it says do not build each other up because we can build each other up. I can teach you how to watch people. I do it all the time. But that's not God's will and way for us. 
I can teach you how to bird watch maybe because I watched this guy do it for 10 minutes. <laughs> but it said not to just build each other up, but it said to build each other up in your most holy faith. So you can't leave those words out. What does that mean? That means that there is a spirit that lives inside of me. And the spirit that lives inside of me brings me to such a place that when someone is hurting, that I open up the word of God and I said, brother, I do not understand what you are going through. I know that you're hurting. And the word says that I'm supposed to cautiously walk upon you and stack you out of the sin that you're in. Not because I can do it, but because of God has already done it through Jesus. And you just hadn't received it yet. You ever been snatched so hard that it gives you whiplash? I don't even know why I said that. But I know I got snatched up like that one time. Man put his hands on me, snatched me. I went three foot to the right. Didn't even realize I was over there until I got there. Bad thing about when you get snatched that hard, you can keep on running. They'll lose grip. (laughs) Snatched too fast. But you get snatched out of the fire. But we got to build each other up in your most holy faith. That means that there's sometimes when there's people in our lives that are hurting, people that that we see that we want to outwardly love, that that we have to learn how to fight these battles on our knees, church. That, 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 That we can't in our own strength bring someone to peace in life. Only God can do that. But we can get on our knees and we can weep tears for the people that we love. And we can say, God, would you please intercede here because so-and-so is just hurting themselves. And they've confessed that they are yours. But they are just following their instincts of worldly desires. God, would you intercede? That's what it means in your most holy faith. Trusting that God is the only way for healing number two is that we pray in the power of the holy spirit come on church do you understand that the holy spirit dwells inside of you and if you learn to understand and trust the power of the holy spirit you would understand that you have a lethal weapon for the enemy that dwells right inside of you it has to be released by this And how we speak and how we look and how we believe. But the Holy Spirit is the power that chooses to dwell inside of God's now remade temple. In the same way in our own lives when we're struggling with things that we feel like we can't overcome. That Holy Spirit will give us power and intercede for us when we don't even know how to pray for ourselves. Number three is that we await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those first three things were were put right at the end of Jude. I don't know if you recognize that. But we are to await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That that we we have to understand that God is going to send Jesus back for us one day. And what are we going to be doing when he gets here? What is our homes going to look like? What is our relationships going to look like? Are they going to be actions that bring God glory? Or are they going to be actions that bring the world glory? Number four. 
while we're patiently waiting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're to be snatchers. We've got to ask God to give us the strength and the power that when we see people who are struggling in the church, that we're to pull them back down through prayer, through holy faith, that we say, God, bring your lamb back to the flock, that we can save them from the burning flames of judgment. Number five, that we, the church, have to be the change that we want to see. If we are living in a way that does not bring God glory, we don't need to be talking about the one who purchased glory for us. I know that's tough because there's some days when God says, Paul, you ain't needing to be preaching on this. Why, Dad? Because you ain't living it. Don't go out preaching in the community on something that you ain't doing. That's a hypocrite. That's what this word's talking about. Jesus came to, to get grace for you, but that don't mean you get a get out of hell card free. You can just live your life the way you want to. He, he made you new. You're a new creation. You're to look different. You're to look like a foreigner in this land. I'm to look like a foreigner in this land. But we have to be the change that we want to see. God's word is not promoting works. I want you to hear that. God's word is not promoting works here. Because that could be a temptation that we would say, I just got to do it a little bit better. I know I can do it, God. I know I can do it. I know I can go a day without looking at that. I know I can go a day without smoking that. I know I can go a day without being angry or upset or putting an extra portion on my plate. I know I can do it, God. But God said, no, I don't need you to work. I need you to surrender it. See, there's a difference between doing works and checking a box than laying at the foot of the cross. The foot of the cross took everything. I'm going to lay it down at your feet, Jesus, and I'm going to let you deal with it. There's a difference between works and surrender. So our future success is anchored in just a few things, and we'll close up. A complete, a complete understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Why is is the word complete so important there? Because growing up in the southern part of the United States on the east coast, everybody knows Jesus. But if you have a complete understanding of who Jesus Christ is, You cannot hang out with him and not be changed. Do a self-inventory of your life over the last 12 months. If things aren't changing for the good of according to the scriptures in your life, I ain't talking about wealth, money, and all this stuff. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about understanding and forgiveness and brokenness. The fruits of the spirit that he gives us. I'm talking about if those things aren't coming to be in your life, you have to back up and say, God, maybe I do know the name of Jesus, but I've never had an encounter with Jesus. I want to know him. I don't want to just pray a prayer. God, I need you to send him to me, to seal me, to make me new, to have a complete understanding of who Jesus Christ is. He is 
everything. He's the beginning and the end. He's the only way. He's our hope in darkness. Because he sees no dark. What he did for us in his willingness to surrender ourselves completely to him. What is it today that we're holding on to that we haven't completely surrendered to God through Jesus Christ? What is it? As we worship here in a minute, stay in your seats maybe. Just put your heads down and pray during this worship song. What is it that you're still holding on to from this world that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, but you don't want to let go of it. We have to focus upwards. We have to focus upward in order to be transformed inwardly. And this inward transformation that is continuing to take place in our lives will bring forth an outward glow of love that will be attracting to the people around you. And I'm telling you right now, I see it. I see it. I see men in here. You don't see it in yourself, but God's given me the ability to see in you the greatness that you've never even got to experience yet. I understand that there's women in here who have been sitting on the sidelines, but you are gold. You are go- you're going to be a beacon of light to a world that is searching because they're watching. They're focusing in on something. They're focusing in on something. And let it be the light of God shining through you. And that will draw them to the foot of the cross. Not because you're anything great, but because of God who did something great through you. Amen? And that's worth celebrating. That's the good news. So church, let this lost world that is afraid of everything, afraid of their own shadow, let them see God in you. Be bold in your steps, humble in your walk, loving in your touch, that you know that Jesus Christ bought you at a very high price. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, for the focus that we can have on you that transformed the focus of the inner parts of us, that we can be outwardly focused to a lost world that you are so wanting to save. And God, let us live a life that's radical for you, Lord, that our radical living wouldn't be anything in our own works, but it would be because of you working in and through us, Lord. So we surrender it all over to you today, God. The darkest parts of my heart, of our of this church's heart, Lord God, let us let go of it today. Let us just use the altar. Let us use our seats. Let us raise our hands, God, because you are mighty. You are a God who came to sanctify the church. And this church loves you, Lord. I ask forgiveness, Father God, where I fall short. And I ask that you would work in my heart today. And I pray for the saints in here today that they would have the same prayer if they're so convicted by you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.